0: to another episode of the stick to hockey podcast rumors of its demise were greatly exaggerated r- exaggerated russ here yep. we are episode 68 in honor of Yaramir yager it's the greatest 68
1: in all of sports is it not it is and actually so uh, i'll tell you two funny things about it first one was i used to cover games in new york and there was this guy named like Peter said Logic. He was a reporter, a Czech reporter, and he would always talk about number sixty-eight. But he wasn't even playing for the Rangers at the time. But you just—that's how he would refer to him. But my funniest Yager story, there's probably two, but the quick one is walking into the Flyers locker room. They probably let us in a little too early, and that's when he had the backpack on with all the weights. Yeah, and, and him trying to explain his way out of it. The the better one is writing the book on the winter classic, covering the one in Philly at citizens bank. He takes one shift. He gets hit against the boards. Once decides that he doesn't like playing outside and doesn't play anymore. It wasn't even like he was hurt. He just didn't play anymore. Do you remember that? Oh, I
0: worked the game. Yeah. He
1: shut yeah. her down one shift. We have a picture of it too. We
0: luckily got a picture of it for the book, but one shift, yeah. one shift and done. Story of my life. (laughs) By the way, he started his NHL career back in 1990, and he finished his NHL career in 2018. That is insane. And he's still playing. (laughs) Yeah, and he's still playing. And and he's not playing beer league. (laughs) He's still playing and scoring. I mean, it's unbelievable.
1: I want to say it's two notches above beer league. It's not fantastic hockey.
0: Yeah, you're definitely right about that. Um, but he piled up the points in the NHL, and he was a freak of nature, and yeah. what a career he had, certainly. Um, I mean, he is uh, actually just like about a month and a half older than me. Think about that. Wow. He, he will be 48 on February 15th, and he's still playing at a high level. That is insane. And it's not like he's just a defenseman that's back there and doesn't move a lot either.
1: I mean, you're still playing, but it's just at a lower level.
0: Oh, the highest <laughs> level I could have ever played at was that it would be lower than his lowest level. <laughs> right, right. Let's put it that way. Uh, so episode 68 is here. It is the Stick to Hockey podcast. Hope everybody was checking out uh, or has checked out or will check out uh, the other endeavors that I'm doing with the Flyers, Flyers Daily, which is... Just as it kind of says, a daily podcast. Um, it's not a long form podcast, but I um, had a chance yesterday to talk to Phil Myers, which was really cool yeah, um, for, for that episode. And, and Ross, you know, I came across Charlie O'Connor's story in The Athletic, and it was like kind of like a player poll. And Phil Myers was mentioned in two different categories one was the hardest shot on the team, and the other was the fastest skater. That's a hell of a combination for a guy of his frame.
1: But he's not the fastest skater. Connect these faster.
0: Yeah, but he is a hell of a skater, nonetheless. Yes, he
1: is a hell of a skater. And it really has improved in the last year really a lot. But, yeah, I mean, look, he's got all the tools. He's one of these guys that when he puts the tools together, it's going to be great. It's just right now they're desperately in need of it this year, and you can't guarantee that he's going to be able to do that this year. He's young. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, when he does completely round into form, he he has a potential to be an exceptional defenseman though top four. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, thirty-two games this year. Last year, I think he was a minus four. This year, he's like a plus sixteen. I don't yeah. like to look at plus minus too much, but when I see such a drastic change—twenty-one games last year, thirty-two this year—and that much of a difference, something's clicking.
1: True, and there's definitely we've seen the the growth of him. It's just, and again. If they were to make the playoffs and you put them in tough playoff minutes, uh, that's, that's you know, it's not easy.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're, well, you're definitely right about that, and we'll see if he can handle that. I mean, I remember seeing guys like Oscar Spark Toulis oh. have a hell of a time in that situation. Oh, poor, poor <laughs> Um, I want to ask you real quick before we kind of got, and got into, into everything. Obviously, this is the first episode we've recorded since the passing of Kobe Bryant. Um, and the Mamba mentality, you've been covering this game a long time. You've seen a lot of players come and go – Guys with elite skill sets that were mutts that didn't want to work. We had one, Nikolai Zherdev, came through Philly. Incredible skill set. Didn't want to work hard and play in this league and therefore didn't. And right. then there's other guys that, I mean, to be that level of athlete like Kobe Bryant and have that Mamba mentality, who's the guy that comes to mind that you think of that just worked all the time incredibly hard at his craft and was such a competitor to that level?
1: Well, I mean, I, I covered probably... Eh... Three or four of the last years of Mark Messier's career in New
0: York, and yep, so I knew you were going to go there. By the way, I, f- I felt like that was the guy you were going to mention.
1: Yeah, I, even at that age, would just outwork everybody. It's it just really was an incredible thing to see. Uh, we all knew about it and heard about it, and and I'll tell you who was second to that. Second and very close second was Pavel Bore. when he joined the Rangers. He like he I think he still had nineteen goals, but. He ended up having to get an eighth knee operation. But before then, this guy was an incredible worker. And, you know, so both of those two guys, but Messier more, because Messier was on work more and everything. But Bore worked a lot harder than probably people thought he did.
0: Yeah, the Russian Rocket. He was a tremendous player in Vancouver, Florida, and obviously with the Rangers as well, and deserved to get into the NHL Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, uh, did Pavel Bure. Um the, uh, you, know, you look at that Mamba mentality and, and guy, you know, this sport, the sport of hockey in the NHL lends itself to the hardworking guys. But um, yeah, you, you look at a guy like Messier, he certainly would been there, but you got to consider Crosby too. The, the oh, guy, sure. the diligence he puts into his craft is like second to none. I know flyer fans don't want to hear that, but that's just the fact of the matter.
1: When you see the legs that he has, if you're ever, Oh. up close and you see him it's it's really remarkable because he's not the biggest guy he's really not but he has turned him in, himself into just this marvel of not only of a player but of you know of a physique and a and, competitor and a competitor but made for hockey like i don't know if sidney crosby would be a great basketball player probably not he would have the wrong physique for it baseball maybe because he has the eye hand maybe he could learn that but it's just, it, it is amazing to see what he has rounded himself into. I mean, not that he didn't come into this league great, because we've talked about it, he has, but he's kept himself almost at that level for all
0: this time. Yeah, Ovechkin's another guy, too. Like, yes. you can say what you want about Ovi, but he's a frickin' insane competitor.
1: Yeah, if you follow, everybody should follow him on, on Instagram, because during the summer I was watching him pulling tractors and things like that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like that's it, it was cool. like Rocky
1: Four. It
0: was, it's old school
1: stuff. It's like, you know, Bobby Hull kind of stuff. Yeah. Like if you want to see a picture, go look at Bobby Hull fly fishing. There's a picture of him without his shirt fly fishing. And you know, this was like a pretty natural j- physique, just a guy that worked hard and lifted weights a little bit and just had a lot of natural ability too, but just unbelievable. Um,
0: any uh, any thoughts, any parting thoughts on the All-Star game and what you saw there out in St. Louis, other than the fact that St. Louis did a tremendous job hosting the game. They did. I felt like the, the skills competition always feels about a 45 minutes too long for me. Maybe too many competitors in it. The woman's like three on it. three was freaking awesome. They, they just stole the weekend again because they actually give a shit about the game. Yeah. You know, and they went out there and, like, They worked their ass off in that game. And then when you saw the men play on the the following day, it was like watching, you know, a stroll around Central Park. Yeah,
1: I I mean, I I did pick the uh, the Canadian women to win because they just they just I mean, the Americans are really good. Don't get me wrong, but they had some legendary names. And so I was I was amazed, even though it was low scoring, because the goaltending was great. And yes, you knew that because of the hatred for each other, but also just this was a chance to showcase their sport, that they were going to go all out and We kind of wish that the men's the men the men would play with that same kind of you know they don't have to you don't have to hit hard or whatever, but just same kind of passion the The men didn't have it this year; it really was a game of shinny for the first time I felt but um I can go back to the overreaction of green day because to me it's like i've seen them probably eh, six seven times and almost every one of their songs has a curse in it every concert they curse all the time billy joe just curses all the time and so if you don't think the nhl signed him knowing that like people acted like oh my god they had to hit the dump button and they hit it for a long time it's expected that's why they had it that's what they did and for all those people, Keith Oberman included, that thought that there was going to be repercussions and maybe they would lose their multi year deal, you know, on the NHL's lead show, they're still playing their new music. So, yeah. and, and fine. you know what
0: happened? Uh, people
1: talked about it. Yes. And that's what they wanted. And yep. that's what they got. And, you know, and, and I was mad at the people of St. Louis because first you saw, oh, look, we're getting a free Green Day concert. And then they're like, oh, wait, they only played three songs. And it's like, it was
0: free. What do you want for free? <laughs> Yeah. And, and what did you think? They were going to go out and do uh, the entire American idiot concept album. If right. you thought that you're an American idiot.
1: <laughs> yes. I just didn't understand it. And and it was a cool way that they did it on TV where they went from the stage into the other, into the rink. And apparently fans kept getting mad because they would leave the stage. It's like, hello, they're taping for a television broadcast. Yeah. So at any rate, that went well. Um, the hardest shot went well. Although Martin Furk had the hardest, hardest shot. In, um, in the minors, in the AHL. 109.2, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Bobby, Bobby Hall shot 118, and they never use it because it wasn't in an all-star game. Now, do we think the jugs gun maybe was changed a little bit from them to now? Sure, but I'm telling you, Bobby Hall shot harder than 109. Al McGinnis is 100.4, we'll tell you that, because at the age of 56, he still did
0: that with a wood stick. Yeah, that's amazing. And some
1: people thought that was fake, by the way. Some people thought that that was not real.
0: Oh, say, no, 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 no. You, those guys could – they could still bomb it with a wood stick. And sure. That was not – he and I, Ally Afraidy, was totally yeah. legit Six going over 100 miles an hour. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, if you, if you ever gave in his playing days McGinnis,
0: you know, a composite stick, he would have well, beaten the 109. What about the new Bauer stick with the, with the slit out of it? Oh, you that's true. It? Yes, yes. I, I had one. Uh, I was in a pro shop the other day, and I'm going <laughs> – how is this thing going to hold up? But they say somehow it's actually it's, it's stronger based on the technology than a, a stick without the slit.
1: You know when it won't hold up? When all of a sudden somebody goes to take a shot on the power play in the Stanley Cup, they break their stick, the other team goes the other way, gets a shorthanded goal. Then what?
0: And Tortorella we, says no more sticks with slits. Right. We've <laughs> seen this happen
1: too many times with composites, haven't we? I can't oh. fall for it.
0: Yeah. Well, the original idea was when they came out that these are sticks were unbreakable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not like it, especially with they're the, the most
1: band. breakable.
0: Yeah. You see like a 55 flex, it snaps like a twig.
1: It does. They're the most breakable, but I, you know, look, the game wasn't good. The skills were good. Um, now that we know about McDavid's comeback and the fact that he just rehabbed something that nobody had ever done in the history of sports and they're writing papers about it. The fact that it got up to 25 miles an hour is incredible. Um, I still posted on my Twitter account, though, that are you taking Conor McDavid or the field? And I said the field, and I was right. But I bet you by next year, he's probably back at top speed again. So I got to say, I was really, really impressed with that, especially after the fact. But again, I want to tell you that that 25 was beaten by Bobby Hull. Bobby Hull skated faster, too. But again, he seems to be forgotten. So I've been bringing this up on every show because I want people to remember that everybody wants to think these are the greatest athletes ever right now because of training and otherwise, but it's not always the case. Yep. So, but anyhow, all that was good. I thought it does what it does, right? It got the city excited.
0: The concert
1: got it excited. So in, in the end, it's a
0: success for the NHL. Yeah, no doubt. And, and they caught some publicity for it as well. But, but next um, year,
1: it needs to be the U.S., Canada, Europe thing. That'll, that'll do better. I think you might get more passion out of it.
0: Yeah, I agree with you too. They got to figure something out. I, I know. I think it was Elliot Friedman um, said that maybe they should come up with some kind of Team Florida with Panthers, Lightning players, and guys that either grew up in Florida, went to Walt. Disney, I don't know. <laughs> you know. But to yeah, put together, I don't like, know. You well, could you have a on that team, provided he was an All Star. But nah, I don't like the limited. idea. Team Florida, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, no thanks. Yeah. What's next, Mississippi? <laughs> uh, you gonna have Van B's working goal? Like, what are you gonna do? You bring back the Beezer. I like that. He's part, he's, he's part of the coaching staff for the, uh, USA worlds team. Yes. Did you see yes. that?
1: Yeah, yeah I go. did. And, uh, I guess maybe Luongo will come back and be the
0: backup. Well, Bobby Lou would be fun. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. Um, all right, Russ, I got a few things to get to here in regards to the flyers. We have some Twitter questions we'll get to, and I want to bounce around the league uh, with some things I want to ask you about as well. Um, but number, first and foremost, um, Flyers uh, sent out an update. Carter Hart, about a week away, he said uh, Chuck Fletcher said his uh, rehab has been going great and uh, he's improved drastically over the bye week, but he's still a week away. But that doesn't fix the problem of right now, which is a Penguin game tonight, perhaps you listen to this after, a Colorado Avalanche game the following day, Saturday, and then a Red Wing game. Now, if these games were flipped into a different order, you'd be fine because you would go... Elliott and Pittsburgh, Alex Lyon against the Red Wings, and then Brian Elliott against the Avs, but it's not. How do you determine, do you go Elliott back-to-back, even with a decent workload on a Friday night coming off the bye? That's what I think they're going to do, yeah. you got to put yourself in a – got to do things right now because of the tightness of the standings that maybe you wouldn't – that aren't ideal and you're not willing to do any other time, but given the situation, you really don't have much of a choice.
1: No, if they were sitting where Washington is, they, they could easily let Lion play. But I can't fault them if they don't let Lion play because there's four teams ahead of them. Five, yep. really.
0: Yeah, six-place. So. I mean, they're in sixth place in their division, and they're on pace for 98 points. It depends. It's, it's, it's not,
1: not four teams. It's really it's really two in the wild card, and then, yeah, more like four in, in the division, something like that. But, yeah, I... They're going to play them, and you just you hope Elliott doesn't get hurt, and these are important points. They're all important now, and you're right. Carter Hart being back is great, but again, this game against Pittsburgh, super important, and you can't go by the old standard that, well, the Flyers are really good in Pittsburgh because I think that's kind of gone, gone away.
0: Yeah. It, it, it has true gone away. for a while. And and not only that, but you have the, the Russ Cohen at sportsology created hashtag of road flyers that you're going to be dealing with in that game as well.
1: Yeah. Now they have gotten a little better, but still 10, 13, and 4 is not like,
0: you know, terrific play. Oh yeah, no question about it. Um so um at 32 games left, Russ, in sixty-five days. Um so you have Four, or 16 road, 16 home, 14 against the division. And the Flyers, uh, uh, I guess the, the, the face of ownership, Dave Scott, came out in an article by Sam Carcitti and kind of alluded that they need to add something else. They're improved and cited Kevin Hayes, who we'll get to more in a moment, um, as a big part of their improvement. But that they may need to add more. Do the Flyers need to add more? Kasperi Kapanen's name is now out there in a lot of trade rumors. Is that a guy who is under contract for two more years after this at 3.2 AAV? Is that the guy you target? And that's, Is that the guy you go and get?
1: I mean, they might target him, but I'm not sure they would accept, you know, Shane Gostisbehere for him. You and may have to go deeper than that. Yeah, but the problem is then for both of them to manage it cap-wise. Then it becomes a more complicated math problem where you have to include more players. So well, they, what if they you go picks? Well,
0: that's how not cap, are the... cap effective.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Flyers are still going to have to shed some salary, though, to even do it.
0: Well, you're going to shed, actually, more money in Gossespierre No, no, to if Gossespierre
1: doesn't go up, you're telling me it's just picks.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I, if okay. you're going to make that trade for Kaepernick, they're, they're going to require you send a D-man.
1: Right. All right, so if you send Hag, then you probably can, can do it. But then can the Flyers overcome that? I don't think so.
0: You didn't like what you saw out of Freeman. It's good. Is it? Is but, it playoff? It's a small good? sample. No, no. Well, you're right. Um, but okay. Well, why not Gossisbier then, with a third round pick?
1: Because I don't think I, I, I don't think Toronto would accept that. I mean, they're what only going to get, get a few weeks. I don't think so. I, they're only going to get a few weeks to look at him, and honestly, he's pretty close to what Jake Gardner was for them. And they tried to get away from that. They. They have they have Riley. They're going to re-sign Muzzin. They don't have a ton of money. Uh, I just don't see it for there. Doesn't mean the Flyers can't get somebody, but I just don't see him getting there. But you know the thing about Dave Scott is I'm not sure that was the greatest public statement to make because it's easy to make if you have a a cap no cap situation. You have plenty of space they've got a situation where it's very possible the Flyers go through the trading deadline and can't get anything done. And, you know, that's something where now all of a sudden there's extra pressure to get something done, and you don't want the GM to do something because now his boss is breathing down his neck. Like, that to me is, you know, you got to watch those situations a little. But I think they should probably do something lesser than a and And I think that, you know, you offer up a guy like Hag, I think, because I think they're going to have to keep spear through this season. I do. If they want to trade him at, at the draft, they'll probably get more for him. But honestly, what's his value right now? He's literally just going to come back in, what, a week?
0: Yeah, uh, he practiced yesterday. He could be back right. in the lineup uh, any time in the next couple of games. Okay, so let's say he's back Monday.
1: You've got less than three weeks for scouts to evaluate him and then for a GM to say, am I really going to take a chance on him because he's not having a good season to begin with?
0: Yeah. To to me, a deal involving him, I agree with you. Is it sounds more like a on the draft floor type of deal and especially if it's for a player of the caliber of Kasperi Cabinet, if he's still in Toronto come this offseason.
1: I mean, I would I would go for a less spectacular deal and just as an example
0: You looking like at a Nick Benino type situation. Well Benino's
1: making too much money too. I don't and there's no way I mean, if they were to trade with Pittsburgh, which they've done very few of them over the years and for really nothing meaningful, mm. there's no way they're going to eat salary to trade Benino, right? They're not for the flyers. They're not, yeah. they're not going to, they're just not going to do that. Um, you know, I'm looking at a guy like Cody Eakin, Cody Eakin. You might be able to give Vegas to eat some salary you might be able to give them a Robert Hag and, and a pick or a prospect. And at least Cody Eakin's a guy that has is seasoned, has played in playoffs and could be, you know, he's pretty versatile.
0: Especially after Vegas trades for uh, Joe Thornton.
1: If, they, if Joe Thornton wants to go somewhere, I mean, yeah, I'm I think sure. he does.
0: That's probably the place I think he'd want
1: to go. Maybe. I mean, I, I like the fit. And so, yeah, then that would make someone like Cody Egan available. And, and to me, you know, he's the kind of guy you could do because you could sort of float that money wise. And then at least, because again, we saw Ryan Hartman came in, and I like Ryan Hartman, and he didn't do anything for him.
0: Yeah, well, so you, 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 have you don't to, buy theory on deadline acquisitions too. It's a it's it's your it's an overpayment for a very slippery slope.
1: Yeah, I mean, you had brought up to me either last show or just in conversation. You know how often do they really you know hit it out of the park with these acquisitions? And it is it's mixed. It, it's definitely mixed.
0: Do you, do you look at a guy like Eric Stahl or J.G. Pajot? Uh, Pajot, there
1: he's out of the Flyers' league. I mean. Unless they're going to start trading Morgan Frost. Like, if you're prepared to, to trade Frost, then you could talk about Pajot, and that's great. But then remember, that's just for a rental.
0: Yeah, with no guarantee of being able to resign him. And then who was the other player? Uh, Eric Stahl.
1: If he gets dealt, because he might just decide he wants to stay, I don't know. Remember when he switched to the Rangers and it didn't work out?
0: It, it did work out. In a huge way. And that and was again, supposed to be a big piece. And that could happen again. Yep. And so I would be, I would be wary of that.
1: And yeah, see, I am you, too. Yeah. yeah, that's why you go, for me, you go for the lesser guy. You know, Eakins played 40 games, eh, 30-something games, playoff experience. He might do something for you. You're not breaking the bank. You're trading somebody that you could afford to trade. Now, if you're telling me Friedman's only got to play six minutes a game, seven minutes, if they're in the playoffs, I can live with it. I'm okay with all that. But if all of a sudden, Friedman's got to play 12, 13 minutes because there's no Gosder and Hags playing more, I don't know. I think it weakens the unit too much.
0: Yeah, and, ju- and just as we're talking about this, I see a tweet that comes into the show uh, <laughs> from Big Bad Booley. Wooly118 on Twitter. He said, What are your thoughts on the Flyers? Not doing anything major at the deadline. He said, I'd rather see them go for a lesser name that can play some third line C like a Benino type from Nashville. So there you go. We were kind well, of that's thinking of like that. I
1: think Eakin is much easier to make that deal with. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's at 3.8, but I'm sure you can get Vegas to eat some of that. And they have some cap room. They don't have, but there's no way
0: Pittsburgh's doing you a favor like that. There's no yeah. way. Um, Let's go to another question here. Um, and remember, and, it's three point eight prorated, so it's not that bad. So yeah, it's it. Well, uh, Jay Sesquilla. I don't know if I'm Jay Sasquilla, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I hope I did. Jay. Um, he said, "How realistic is a hockey trade involving spare or anyone else on the roster, giving the limited cap space prior to the deadline?" Uh, it's kind of what we just talked about, Russ. Yeah, I, we talked about the Gostisbehere yeah.
1: thing. The other fly in the ointment is here is that. Um, Right now, Patrick, Nolan Patrick is on IR, right? He's on LTIR. Yeah. If he were to come back, you have to activate him and start paying him again.
0: He goes right against the cap. Yeah.
1: And that goes right against the cap. And so right now, when you're talking about them having, like, some days under $100,000 cap space, and then you add even just an ELC to that, that makes it even trickier. So. They're going to have to know by the deadline, and I'm sure they they may even know now, if he really is coming back or not, regardless if Fletcher said he was optimistic. I am not as optimistic, but if he does, then, okay, you solved your center situation, but now if you still want something else, well, now you got to jostle some more salary. So it's it's going to be very difficult.
0: Shit, they just turned on the fucking sound system here. I hear it. They just turned it off. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm upstairs in the radio booth at yeah, the world yeah, yeah. center. And apparently they're testing stuff for the wings game. Um, okay. Um, so let me just pick up off that. Yeah. Patrick is kind of the fly in the ointment here. We'll see how this plays out. You, you'll know all you need to know about Nolan Patrick and the chances of him coming back based on the flyers actions more so on what they, than what they say. Yes. Is the way I'm looking at it. Um, Let me ask you this question, because Britton R. tweets in, and he says, if Phil Kessel was a hot dog, would he eat himself? Now, my contention would be that if Phil Kessel was a hot dog, which means he has been a hot dog, he would have eaten himself way before now.
1: Oh, yeah. We never would have seen him as a hockey player.
0: (laughs) That's a good question, though. I like it. Um, Okay, Russ, um, when you look at uh, uh, the situation for the Flyers right now on paper, outside looking in, who are the team or two teams that will fall out in the Eastern Conference, in your opinion, if they are to gain a spot into the playoffs? And if it's two teams and Toronto is going to jump in as a wild card team or even as a number three team in the Atlantic and maybe Florida as a wildcard team. They
1: look like they're Flor- – um, Toronto looks like they're jumping in.
0: Okay. So if the Flyers and, and Toronto are to jump in, who are the two teams to come out? Well –
1: I know the popular one is to say the Islanders, but they have cap space and they probably could stay in it. And they've got games in hand on Phil. They have games in hand on everybody. So I'm going to assume that the Metro stays the way it is. So okay. this, is, this is wild card or bust, I think, for the Flyers, unless they were to win like 15 in a row.
0: Okay, so you're going to go caps at the top, Pittsburgh, and then the Islanders. So of the two other teams... No, no, either I'm, have be- I'm
1: going to go... Columbus, Carolina, Toronto. That's their competition. And I don't think anybody below can get there, Montreal included. So Yeah, they're all I, DOA. Yeah. So I think that's their competition. And I think Toronto's getting in it. Now, if Toronto gets in the wild card but don't get any further in the Atlantic, that's a nightmare scenario for the Flyers.
0: Okay, but okay, so if the Flyers are gonna get in, so does Columbus come out? Does Carolina Columbus come out?
1: It would have to be one of them. and
0: Or maybe both of them. I don't think both. I think, okay. and I think Carolina gets in. I, I mean, that's the, the logical story, choice. With you. But yeah. the
1: Dougie Hamilton injury so far hasn't killed them, but we'll see yeah. what it does. And if they get permission to make a deal at the deadline, you still have Morozik, but Morazic for the Raging. You got receiver.
0: Reimer. He's <laughs> been great.
1: Yeah, Reimer's been good this year. So yeah, I think Carolina's a definite. But again, if I look at Columbus, what's why are they all of a sudden going to go south? You know, they're eight and two in their last
0: ten. Uh, they're riding a horseshoe in the ass of uh, Elvis looking right now. <laughs> I mean, they, they cannot are, but... sustain this.
1: <sighs> what if he's the next Hamburglar? Like he could be.
0: Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, that's well, your Paul. next I mean... Hamburglar. He's going to get paid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, okay, but like not to squash Flyers fans, you know, hopes, but you're now hoping that Carolina or Toronto or the Islanders, it's not going to be Pittsburgh uh, or Columbus are the one or two teams that falter. And I don't think there's a a guarantee of that or even a 75% chance of that. I think, you know, the flyers chances are slim here. I do.
0: Yeah. It's crazy too. They're on pace for 98 points. But remember, I said I thought they
1: would be like the Canadians of last year, and they got 96 points, and they didn't get in.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. And, and they, they could do how that. Do you ev- how, how should fans evaluate that then, Russ? Say they finish with 98 points, and they don't make the playoffs. How should a fan base evaluate that? Do you, do, should the fan base still got to go, this is bullshit. We're still not, a, not good enough. They're not a playoff team. Or do no, you look at it, I think, go, I think holy think fans, cow, 88 points, and you didn't get in. This is crazy.
1: No, I think fans should evaluate it like, okay, The GM made some moves, and even though they were hoping and guaranteed playoffs, whatever the jargon was, they didn't get there, but they're a better team. Provorov has gotten better, thanks to Niskanen. Some of these are quick fix moves, and it didn't work out, but the team's still moving in the right direction. You still have a young goalie. Now, if you're going to go with what the GM said and what the team said, like, hey, we're making the playoffs, we're making this push, and this is what we're doing, then Go right ahead, but I think you're wrong in doing that.
0: No, Well, say a team like the Flyers or Carolina or Columbus does not get in with 98 and had they been in the Pacific Division, they would have won the division. Say that, that plays out. Does this cause the NHL to look at the way they put teams into the playoffs any differently, or does no. it just not even matter?
1: No, because it happened last year, and they didn't care. I mean, last yeah. year, I'm looking at it. Montreal had 96 points. And ninety six points would have been third in the Pacific, and it would have been first. It would have it would have made the wild card and have been third in the Pacific. They don't care.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now you you It's something worth investigating if it repeatedly keeps happening when you have teams missing the playoffs and they would have finished in the top spot in another division in another conference. Okay, it's but pretty here's wild.
1: what plays into it is pretty wild. But what plays into this is the reason they did this in the first place, and we all liked when the Flyers matched up with the Rangers in the playoffs. We hadn't seen that matchup in a very long time. They, the TV networks want the rivalries, and they don't care when they come. If they come early, that's great. And they just want to be guaranteed. Right. The fans would like to see that later, right? Because then you're getting a better conference final and better Stanley Cup. But TV networks don't care about that. They want it right away give it to me. And with this system, you get it right away.
0: No, nah, no, nah, you're right about that. I'm not that. saying
1: I like it. I don't like it, but
0: does, uh, d- do you see any teams calling Boston to investigate David Backus?
1: No, no, he is completely, they're just not playing. Him. He's
0: not going to Providence,
1: right? He's just not going to show up and yeah. he'll skate around with the team. And if they get two or three players short, you know, maybe he gets a chance to play if, you know, he'll be a black ace and that's it. That's he's going to be a press box guy.
0: Man, that was a, that couple Horrible of years exciting. ago when, when, yeah, so many of the, you look at the Lucich signing, you look at Riddich or not Riddich, excuse me. You look at a guy like Bacchus and yeah. you go, man, how did we, we all knew those were bad signings, but we did. Except the general managers who couldn't help themselves, but give out seven years, $7 year 7000000 dollars deals.
1: Look, I mean, on a lesser scale, I think the Zach Cassian signing is horrible.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. Especially with the way the league's moving every day.
1: I get his numbers are high, but he's playing with McDavid. The the minute his his wheels start to slow down, like and again, those guys who bang like that tend to that contract's horrible. And it's like what uh, three point something or four?
0: I got to yeah. look it up. Um, you, the Battle of Alberta Part Two, of course, was this past week. The other night. What did you think of how Kachuk actually stepped in and probably did what a lot of people felt like was the right thing to do and accept the challenge from Cassian?
1: Yeah, I I felt like it was okay. I I didn't think it was like the most exciting thing. I didn't have it on so I could see it when they were talking to each other because we all knew it was going to happen. Yeah, Cassian's average AAV is 3.2 for like the next four years. No way. Yeah. He's 29.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's not it's a bad contract. Um,
1: um, but, but getting back to that, I mean, we knew it was going to happen, but the league was there, right? They had everybody there. So at the end of the day, it was never going to get crazy. It was a good fight for a few seconds. Did that stop it? No. There's going to be more. There's going to be more the next time they play. Not because of that. It'll be something else because Kachuk's not going to stop. No. Like no. That, <laughs> He, a, he knows he's got a button now, matter. too. <laughs> right. And, and, and to be honest, Kachuk was probably dirtier with all the hits you know i felt like the hit that he put on was horrible and he never had to pay anything for that so and maybe his day is coming for that all that said yes has it revived the rivalry yes so that's good for hockey
0: yeah i totally agree with you that's exactly what i was going to say next the whole battle of alberta and the hate is good for the sport people i know that you know, we're, you and I aren't, like, knuckle-dragging hockey fans going, they need to have fighting all the time and guys squaring off at the face-off circle. We're not like that. You and I agree on that. No. But this animosity and storyline, like, almost vis-a-vis, like, WWE is a good thing for the sport. It's yeah. called rivalry, and it's good because it creates an awareness about a game that otherwise would just be another game of 82. Yeah. I love it. Uh, by the way, did you oh, see Oh, by the, the way,
1: I have some breaking news. It looks like um, Tyler Benson's finally getting called up for, uh, for Edmonton, which is great because, you know, that's a kid who I, I've been touting for a couple of years. So let's see what he can do. I don't know if he'll play center or wing. I mean, he is a center, but they may put him on the wing, but it's nice that
0: he's getting a the chance. There you go. Breaking news as we uh, record the podcast. Um, let me ask you this. Did you see the, uh, the Selly by uh, David Riddich? Uh, I did not. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to demand you watch it 752 times. So David Riddich, um, in a shootout, makes the save to win the game and gives the, the shooter, I forget who the shooter was, like the, the death stare, puts his stick up in the air and drops it like the mic. It's like the shooters always get the celly. The goalie never gets to, you, know, dr- you know, put a good... Yeah. Now, Boosh had a good one against the Rangers when they went to, the, to go to the playoffs in 2010 with the, with the pump, the blocker pump. Um, and goalies get little ones here and there, but dude, to pull the stick all the way up and drop it like it's a hot mic was <laughs> awesome. I loved it. David Riddick, you're a freaking hero on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Do it more, do it often. is a cool dude. Yeah. I do like Riddick. And he ended up in the All Star game. He did. So, Although everybody did. But anyhow. Yeah. And I don't think there's a goalie that wanted to be in that All Star game because there's no defense at all. No. Um, so in San Jose, Russ, uh, Hurdle is now out for the season. Yeah. This, is just a, this was a lost season doomed from the start. Uh, the GM out there got the, uh, the, the vote, the dreaded, I should say, vote of confidence, right? Yeah, yeah. That being said, when you look at the San Jose Sharks, you and I differed on this. I would not have touched Eric Carlson in for that kind of money. Is this going to be a mistake that haunts them for a long time?
1: Yeah, probably. And I'm not sure it's all on Doug Wilson. I think ownership wanted it to maybe more than Doug Wilson, because he never really wanted to ever be in cap trouble and always stayed out of it. And well, he always stayed deals.
0: anything like around three year deals. Yeah. He didn't even give out long-term contracts.
1: No. So this was a change and, and it could end up costing him. And he's a great GM and he's been around a long time. And so we'll see. I mean, but their, their season's cooked and yeah. the Ottawa senators are happy that their season's cooked because they're, the prospect of that pick being higher now
0: really looms great for them. Is that lottery protected? Mm-mm. Oh, my goodness. I don't believe so. No. What a windfall that could end up being. Yeah. Unbelievable. Wow. Well, we'll see what happens. The Sens have some good parts there already. If they can get real lucky and get another really high pick and what looks like it's going to be a great draft, then that oh, could it's a be a great draft. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you about that real quick. This is the last thing for episode 68. Um, the O three draft is legendary, right? Yeah. One of the great ones of all time. The greatest one of all time. Look at that first round. It is you know, from Getzlaff and Perry. You just look all over that yeah. that draft. It's off the charts. This draft, you're a draft guy. How deep is it? Is how close is it to the O three draft?
1: I think that's a good question. I don't think it's the O three draft overall because the amount of guys, the breadth of guys was was unbelievable. Um, I think it could be as good as 2017, and I think people should go to Sportsology and read what I wrote about the 2017 draft, because that was Pedersen, that was Haskinen, that was McCarr. (laughs) Yeah, uh, but that was McCarr, that was Robert Thomas, Morgan Frost. Uh, That's going to go down as an amazing draft, and I think this one could stack up to that one. Uh, First two picks could end up being as good or better than oh three but overall i think it'll be more like the 17 but i think this draft i think you go through the first round you're fine and i I really think you're going to be fine through the second round i do
0: wow okay let me give you a couple of names that oh three draft uh mark andre Fleury obviously was the number one overall pick uh, to pittsburgh eric Stahl was the second nathan horton was in there Uh, how about this we mentioned this name twice in the draft or twice in this episode, Nikolai Zherdev was number yeah. four overall by Columbus. Um, Ryan Souter was in that draft. Braden Coburn still playing Dion Phaneuf. Uh, Carter, Dustin Brown, Brent Seabrook uh, was in that draft. Zach Parise, Ryan Getzlaff, Brent Burns. Uh, Ryan Kessler was in that draft. Mike Richards, Brian Boyle, uh, Corey Perry, Patrick Eves. What a first round. Um, that is. And then you look at even in the second round, guys like Louie Erickson was in the second round in that draft and yeah. Patrice Jerome went forty fifth. Shea Weber went 49th, ninth. Crawford Backus, Jimmy Howard. I mean, what an insane draft class. I mean, you you know, you guys like I'm I'm
1: looking at it, you know, a thousand games for Joe Pavelski, seventh round. Yeah. Nine nine hundred games for Kyle Brodziak, seventh round, uh Bufflin in the eighth
0: round. <laughs> It is unbelievable what how great of a draft it Matt really was. Matt Molson in the ninth round. Yeah, he's still in the league, isn't he? No, no, he's in the
1: AHL. He was in the AHL All Star Game. Well,
0: um, oh, I just saw him recently, and I can remember why. <laughs>
1: Tanner Glass in the late rounds. I remember this draft well. I was at the draft, and and it was at Nashville. It's actually the last time I've been to Nashville. Um, but really, the thing about this draft was that people forget. Is that, and we see him all the time at Philly. Craig Patrick, if you remember, traded to get that first overall pick.
0: Wow, I did not realize that. And I got to
1: see if I I can look it up real quick what he got for it. Um, And to get Marc Andre Fleury, I felt was the biggest thing, the biggest piece. I know you want to say Crosby and Malkin, but if you don't get Fleury, do they win the Cubs like the cups like they did?
0: Yeah. And I remember interviewing
1: him at the time. I have it somewhere. I have the audio, um, and that's something where I, you know, gutsy, hard to do.
0: Uh, let's see. By the way, you do who else was taken in that draft? to mm-hmm. the second to the last pick. He's on the flyers. Yeah. Right now. He
1: Positive was drafted look.
0: 291. I don't feel like hurting my, hurting my head. Brian Elliott. Uh, yeah, there you go. How about that? Right, Yaro so, Alak was also taken 271. Yeah. Wow.
1: Damn the New York Times. I have to like sign up now to get this information. We you come on, New York Times? You're killing me. Uh, I just I'm, not paying, I'm not paying money. No, I did, but fine. Can I just read this
0: article, please? <laughs> <laughs> like it just... It's not meant to make it on this episode, apparently. No, no,
1: it's making it. It's making it because <laughs> it really was one of the all-time... Draft Day Trades. Uh, yeah, see, Patrick said, fleur, and okay, Patrick traded Pittsburgh's first round, third overall, and a second round compensatory pick, and Michael Samuelson.
0: Wow. Big package. So,
1: third overall was compensatory pick, 55th overall, second round, Stefan Meyer. You tell me, is that not the greatest draft day trade that you could think of in the NHL?
0: That's a beauty by Patrick. Good job on him. Meanwhile, Fleury's still getting it done in this league as well. So much so that he's covering up for the problems of the Las Vegas Golden Knights.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And he doesn't get
0: credit for it. So I have to give Craig Patrick credit for that. There you go. Congrats to Craig Patrick. Congrats to you, Rush. Another fine performance. Ross. Russ. I don't know what that is. <laughs> wow. Uh, congrats, Russ, on another fantastic performance on the Stick to Hockey podcast, episode 68. Some of your Thank best you work. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Check us out next time on episode, oh, my goodness, are we going to do 69? My kid's going to get such a laugh. <laughs> everybody, enjoy your hockey. Thanks for listening. Back to the primitive your politics we got our life to live the way we want to be back to the primitive fuck all your politics